Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Radically Loved Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great start of the day or end of the day or midday, whenever you're listening to this. We have a really great guest today. I've been reading her books for years. Judith Orloff is a leading voice in the fields of medicine, psychiatry, and intuitive development, and a New York Times bestselling author. She is a UCLA psychiatric clinical faculty member, and her books include The Empath Survival Guide, Thriving as an Empath, Emotional Freedom, which is my favorite and a book I highly recommend, and so many more. She's here today to talk to us about her new book. Here's my conversation with Judith Orloff. Today we have Dr. Orloff here with us. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for being here today. You're very welcome. I am so excited to talk about your new book, Affirmations for Empaths, because I feel like for me, when I first learned about empaths and what it meant to be an empath, which I would love for you to share with us, it was so mind opening. It really allowed me to understand a lot of the issues that I was having and a lot of the issues that my partner was having because he's also an empath. And it just made us really understand the world better. And it helped us shape our lives in a different way when we would go into public situations. Like, so I'm excited to talk to you today, especially with this book. The affirmations in this book are so good. I've been using them for the last couple of weeks. And I have to say of all of the books that you've written that I've read, this one is definitely my favorite. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Um, I wrote Affirmations for Empaths because I'm a big believer in affirmations. And it has a beautiful cover with the ocean on it and a sun. So <laughs> I, I really, as an empath myself, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm also an empath. So I combine my traditional medical knowledge with my empathic and intuitive abilities in my work with patients and workshops. And so I combine both of them. And I feel very passionate about helping empaths, particularly newly awakened ones, maybe people who didn't realize that they were empaths. And this book uh, will offer you affirmations as an empath if you're just starting on the, the adventure with us. That's great. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about what an empath is? An empath is somebody who's very sensitive and open and loving and intuitive and connects to nature and animals and tends to take on other people's emotions into their own body. They tend to be emotional sponges and are prone to sensory overload and exhaustion. And so they need to learn self-care skills to not take on the, the struggle of the world. And so they have many gifts. I'm an empath. I wouldn't give it up for the world. I love 
connecting as deeply as I do to the world and to the flowers and to people and my patients and really feeling, you know, what's going on without taking it on most of the time. And I yeah. only take on other people's stuff. If I'm tired or if I'm overtaxed, then I take it on. But yeah, you write about that a lot, which I absolutely appreciate. Well, first of all, do we arrive at this space of realizing that we're an empath? So is it like a self-labeling statement or do you think it requires a little bit more research and work for us to come to that realization? Well, in the, the foundational book I wrote was is called The Empath Survival Guide. And there's a 20-question self-assessment test to determine if you're an empath. So if you take the questions, you can self-diagnose yourself and know if you're a super strong empath, a moderate empath, a slight empath. So you know how to proceed because if you don't have that information and you're going through life, you might be misdiagnosed as panic disorder or major depression or Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. Now, all these diagnoses get mixed together, especially if you're an empath, because if you're an empath, you might have all those diagnoses, but you have to deal with being an empath and that will help everything. It will help everything calm down in your body and your emotions. I think part of what has helped me the most was finding that boundary between when I'm exhausted and when I feel so full, because a lot of those things that you mentioned, being out in nature, you know, just connecting with people, that is so filling. And I feel like most of the times for all of me, like myself, my partner, my empathic friends, we know what fills our cup, but rarely can we identify what depletes us and rarely can we identify when we are depleted. So can you speak on that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. It's important to tune into your body every day, multiple times a day. So you're not just in your head up here thinking or worrying. So, I mean, as a yoga practitioner, you come into your body, you know what that is to feel every movement. And so everyone can tune into their body. I can't, if I don't tune into my body, I'll be in really bad shape because I have to listen to it. Otherwise I'll start getting aches and pains and start feeling tired and not know, know what's going on. I mean, the simplest signals such as I'm tired today, I need a little more rest than usual. Listen to that, you know, just rest. I know it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the simplest things can be seem so hard. Just rest, lie on your couch with your kitty cat and read a book or something. Read these books, but just saying. Um, (laughs) I think too, we're in a society that's constantly addicted to the fast track of society. We're constantly producing, we're constantly doing and moving forward. And the distraction of technology can sometimes keep us from identifying when we are exhausted or when we when it's time to do exactly what you're saying to slow down i think it requires an acute awareness to yourself and what your body's saying and one of the issues that i've faced myself and i know that a lot of listeners of the show face culturally too you know in the hispanic culture we're sort of taught to 
put those, the exhaustion aside. We're taught to put on a brave face and pretend like everything's fine and just keep saying yes to everything. And don't worry about the fact that you're completely exhausted. And I think that that is completely detrimental to our own spirit and our own, our energy. And so I love that you're saying this because it's a nice reminder that we have all the tools that we need within us. And that's why I think the affirmations for empaths is so good because it gives us tactile tools that we can do to bring what we need to the surface, right? Absolutely. And I I just turned to an affirmation about the body. I treat my body with compassion. It knows how to heal swiftly and with ease. I treat my body this. Everybody listening, you have a body. Remember to be in it. No, really love it and have compassion for it. I treat my body with compassion. It knows how to heal swiftly and with ease. And so if I was working on this affirmation, I would repeat this at least three times a day and begin to see how you can apply it to your life. I treat my body with compassion. So that means the minute you wake up, you take a breath and you send some nice positive energy to your body and say, thank you for being my body, basically, because you won't have it forever. Yeah. Alone. A truth bomb. I'm like, that is a truth bomb. It's so true. We won't have it forever. Oh, Dr. Orloff, I'm curious for you. And hopefully you can feel comfortable to answer this question. But I'm curious for you, when that moment was that you realized that you were an empath? Like, what was that like for you? It wasn't exactly a moment. I was an only child and brought up by two physician parents with 25 physicians in my family. And I felt very alone and unseen. And so I had all these abilities. I could sense things and know things, but I was not given any positive feedback for it. And my parents had never mentioned it again at home because it would be upsetting about their friends. You know, if I said something about their friends that I was picking up, it would upset them. So they, I was forbidden to talk about it. And then through a many, many events of me trying to run from my abilities, I ended up with this psychiatrist who was my first psychiatrist as a teenager. I've been in therapy most of my life because I love it. And I really, really love it. But he was able to tell me that in order for me to be whole, I needed to embrace these beautiful parts of myself, the empathic, intuitive parts. And then I couldn't keep running from them. I couldn't keep trying to be somebody other than who I was and that it would be a wonderful thing and he could help me embrace it. So it was more a process for me because I was traumatized over them. I was ashamed of my abilities. So it took a little while, more than a little while for me to get comfortable with everything, you know, and now I'm you know just playing with it. It's just a wonderful know I'm so comfortable with it. Yeah. How often do you think that happens to people, especially young kids that perhaps have that same intuitive ability that gets stifled because people don't see it? How do you identify that? It happens a lot. 
It happens a lot. And um, there's so many people have written to me and said, I am that child. I am the one who was sensitive. And they told me to get a thicker skin. And what was I supposed to do with that? I'm not going to have a thicker skin. I'm sensitive. I don't like football. I like going in the woods. You know, little boys who are sensitive, you know, they get, you know, railroaded into football and team sports and empaths don't like that so much. They like to go write poetry in the woods, you know, or take a run in the woods for you know exercise. So or by the water. And so there's not enough support for younger empaths and those who are listening who have children who might be empaths, you might want to think about them in those terms. You know, let's say you have a social gathering and they don't want to come, but they're on the steps kind of observing and looking at what's going on. Let them do that. You know, don't drag them into social interactions, you know, necessarily. Now, try and see the point of view of the the empathic child. I wish someone had done that with me. Nobody Mm -hmm. did that with me. You know, my point of view was was just you're not strong enough. You have to get stronger. You know, otherwise world's going to run you down kind of thing. And uh, I did nothing with that except get ashamed of it. And I was just so sensitive. It's not just something you can shut off. Though, you know, I have a chapter in the empath survival guide on empaths and addiction. Yes, many empaths get into addictions to try and shut it all off. It's just too much. Shut the mind off, shuts the sensory overload off. It's just life is too much. And so the only way they know how to deal with it is drugs, alcohol, food, sex, shopping, whatever the addictions are. And so it's important to learn how to be comfortable in your own skin and to be an empath comfortably without having to turn to substances. Yeah, we see that a lot, right? I mean, I... I've never been able, I mean, and I read that chapter and I think that's something that has helped me tremendously. I work with a lot of people in recovery and I could just see it. I mean, as you wrote about that in that chapter, you know, the association to wanting to numb or wanting to block out the sound, right? Like the sound, the energy, you know, of that overwhelm because you don't know what to do with it. It's like the world can be a very loud place, especially when you are, sensitive person. And most of the time, it's what you're saying. I see it a lot. I see it a lot with my family and my cousins who are probably watching this right now. I saw it in them as when they were young, they were so creative and so full of life, very intuitive, very curious about plants and bugs and animals and birds. And and then as I saw them grow, their father was so hard on them. And they were, he was just, everything was don't act like a girl. Don't be a sissy. Like being a girl is a bad thing, but you know, it's like, don't be all of these things because being that sensitive or or they would start crying when they, their parents would start arguing and you could clearly see this child is just wanting to be held. They just want to be safe and, and feel loved and they can sense the energy around them and and to just see that be stifled. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can relate, especially if you're an empath or you have a uh, very sensitive child. Like it is something that I, I wish we taught in school. I mean, how incredible would it be if we could teach this in school and give tools and even teach these affirmations to kids? Dr. Orloff, help us. That's a great idea. 
I love teaching the affirmations to kids because if they keep repeating, then it's affirming their abilities. And it's very simple. Now, here's an affirmation. Um, Since I often feel things strongly, I create quietude in my life to balance the intensity with calm. Mm. Since I often feel things strongly, as empaths do, I create quietude in my life to balance the intensity with calm. I love that. I'm like, I want to sit with that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, you really, your energy just shifted there with that. It truly is just such a beautiful reminder. And to me, it doesn't matter what I do for a living. I mean, I love to work with people. I love to teach. And I love, you know, to guide people through meditation. And I still myself, because I am a sensitive person, get those moments of, I forget that I need that space. I need those moments of oh, like, all oh, right, I have to come back home. I have to come back here. I, I have to reconnect with that calm space. And it's so powerful because it brings us back to, like you said earlier in the conversation, it brings us back to our body and to be able to integrate that. What is your practice like? How do these affirmations live in your life now? Well, I turned to the book spontaneously and I asked for guidance, which affirmation do I most need today? And like, I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. All right. So that would be the one. Okay. All right. Maybe (laughs) I need to look around and see who's not respecting my sensitivities and who is. As having, I have friends who respect my sensitivities. I mean, I have that wonderful experience of having real live people who are sensitive too, or some are not empaths, but they're respectful of me. And that's so important where you don't have somebody making comments about yourself all the time, about your sensitive self. And it's very great to have people make comments, especially when unasked for. So I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. These are really great. I think everybody watching this, repeat those affirmations to yourself and just see how it lands with you. See how it feels. Give yourself a minute to really let that sink in. What I noticed as I was going through the book is the deep level of empowerment that it allows us to tune into because it just reminds us that, yeah, we deserve calm. We deserve peace. We are strong. We can be empowered by this because oftentimes being empathetic can be seen as a passive statement or a passive way of being like, you're being too sensitive. People are going to walk all over you. And I personally believe it's the complete opposite. I think when you are able to be in tune with your feelings and emotion and your intuition, it's actually very empowering. And it can really begin to open the door to other paths that you can take on your spiritual journey and on your way to healing or your relationships and really create a better life, right? Yes, absolutely. I wouldn't give up being an empath for anything. I love it. It's a blast. You know, I really love it, but I I have learned how to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Oh, tell us about that, because I think that's one, one of the biggest obstacles that a lot of people face is the ability to be able to say no and be okay and not feel bad about it. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the experience, the alternate of that, if you are unable to say no and you never do say no, notice the effect on your body. Notice how overwhelmed you are. Notice how you're screening people's calls. Notice how you're running away from people because you're scared to say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a good way to live. But the way you say no, it's a very positive, loving no. It's like, no, you know, I'm so sorry I can't do this tonight. I'm just too tired. I'm sorry to let you down. Let's reschedule, you know, something like that. If you're too tired to go out, most likely you shouldn't be going out unless it's something you just can't avoid, like your sister's wedding or something. If you just can't avoid it. But, you know, if you can't avoid it, do avoid it. And you have to get used to disappointing people. It's so hard for empaths. They want everyone to be happy. And I do. I want everyone to be happy. But I also know that if I don't listen to myself, I'll be in bad shape. And I, I need to be in good shape because I have all these, you know, wonderful things going on. And so I need to honor that in myself, you know, where... I take an inventory of my energy level every day and I try not to go over what I call my red line where I'm doing more than what feels comfortable for me because I'm not for years. I would pack one thing after another, after another, like patient back to back patients, different appointments. I was running all day and it's just not I'm not capable of doing that anymore, nor do I want to, because I've quieted down quite a bit in my being you know, where I don't really need that in my life right now, where I'd rather expand the moments that I have and really be in the now with it. You know, that's that's most exciting to me, not rushing around one thing after another. So you have to make that decision. I mean, sometimes you're at a point in your life where rushing around one thing after another is what you want. And that's awesome if you're loving it. If you're loving it, but be sure to take breaks in the car. Now, part of being an empath is learning to take mini breaks too. It's in the car, you know, before you go to the next place, just close your eyes, take a few breaths, come back in your body, say an affirmation, bring the affirmation book in your car, let it sit next to you in the seat to be your companion and say the affirmation. Let's say, again, I got the same one. I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. Interesting how I pick the same one again. Is it though interesting? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's meant to be. It's meant to be. It's like if, if they if the book wants you to see something, you'll keep turning to the same place. So that will be my mantra for today. And um, you have to say no. You have to. You could practice with a friend. You can do a dress rehearsal before you actually say no to the other person. But start with somebody easy. And you have to get used to letting people down gently. You're not mean when you set a boundary. You're not punishing. You're not angry. You don't want to communicate it that way. You want to just say, I'm so sorry. I love you. It's always good to start with the positive. You know, if it's a friend, I love you, but I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to cancel this test for tonight, but let's reschedule. And I, I'm just too tired. And hopefully you'll have the kind of uh, friends who understand what it feels like to be too tired to want to go out. Yeah, I feel like the key to that is just being open and honest with the people that you love. Most of my friends, as you're saying that, I'm doing a little self-inquiry and checking in. And I realized that most of my friends, if I were to say that, are totally understanding, which is a good sign. You know, I don't have any friends that are going to make 
me feel bad about saying, I don't feel like doing this right now. I'm too tired. Or if you want me to be really crabby, I'll come. But I know you're not going to want to be around me if I'm crabby. And, you know, I could say it in a joking way. But most of the time, yeah, I, I feel bad. But there was this incident that happened not that long ago where a friend of mine, because she knows how most of the time, unless I'm working or doing, you know, some public event, I have a hard time with crowds. You know, I I just, I for the most part I do, it's, it's really overwhelming because I really want to be fully present and I take in a lot and I'm always very exhausted. And so this particular friend... And then I don't go out past 6 p.m. because I go to bed at like 8. I wake up at 5 to do my practice. You know, I have a very rigid structure, daily routine, right? That keeps me happy and it keeps me full and it keeps me, you know, upbeat and and fully myself. And this specific friend was doing... uh, You're probably watching this. Sorry. I'm airing out our dirty laundry. But she was having an event and she was telling me about all of these things she was having it catered and all these like delicious treats and and then she says and then i i was like oh okay when is that she goes oh it's saturday and i was like oh okay and then i just kind of left it but then i started to feel bad i'm like how come i didn't get invited to this i'm i feel a little bit hurt and so i waited till the next day i i gave her a call and i said hey I'm curious why I didn't get an invite to this really fun thing that you're doing. And she goes, well, I know that you don't like to be around a lot of people and it's past your bedtime. So I just figured you wouldn't come. And she said, also a highly sensitive person. She's very empathic. And I said, it really hurt my feelings that I didn't get the invite, even though I probably won't go. And she goes, well, it really hurts my feelings that you always say no to me. So then we both had this realization where, oh, we can be honest with each other. And it was really great. You know, we kind of talked it out a little bit, but the fact that two people can have a conversation of what their boundaries are and not make each other feel bad about it and to be able to fully express it, I think is a huge goal. It's a huge plus. It really creates a a deeper, closer relationship, which I think is really important. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's a, a beautiful progression of being an empath and how you're able to do that now, because unfortunately, a lot of empaths are too scared to do that because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And that's a really a deeply ingrained thing. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And of course, you don't. You don't want to hurt their feelings. But saying no is a necessary part of being an empath. If you're not able to learn how to say no in the nicest, shortest way, you're going to have a hard time with your empathic abilities. You're going to get very tired because empaths wear an invisible sign that says, I can help you. We walk around, we have a sign hanging down. I can help you. And everybody knows it. Everybody, because they flock to you. You you can try to be invisible and they still come. (laughs) The airports and the stores, they come out from every direction. They really do. It's kind of funny. (laughs) You have to be able to say, no, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just taking some private time now to be quiet. If someone starts up with a life story, because they often do that with empaths. So just so you know, so you don't feel guilty. They often do that. They start up 
Like I could be sitting in an airport in a corner because that's my place. I go to corners away from everyone and put my purse down and create a little island around myself because that makes me feel better. But they still come up. They say, oh, hmm. they start up a conversation and then they start, oh, the plane's late. Oh, yeah. Then the, oh, you know, I had to leave my sister at home. She was having such a hard time. And like, oh, no, here they're just starting up. You know, and it's just I'm in the corner. I'm trying to do my own thing. And um, now to be able to say at those moments, you see them starting up. And the reason I bring it up is not to be unkind to people, but it happens all the time. If you're an empath, people will come up to you. So, you know, I say, you know, I'm so sorry. I'll hold good thoughts for your sister. And I need to be quiet and have some private time now. Oh, that's nice. And it's just such a kind way of getting your space back. And, you know, whether, again, I think, oh, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So I'll just sit there and listen, you know, to, I was in an Uber drive or like Lyft, one of those car services. I did a, a speaking event in Salt Lake and I was going back to the airport and the gentleman that took me all of a sudden, it's the whole life story. I sat in that car for 45 minutes at the airport. We're sitting there and he's just going on. And I just... I felt too bad to stop him mid the conversation. But I think had I had that languaging, I probably would have been able to say, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. I wish you well. I will send you some good energy. And I really hope that you're able to find the strength to move through this. I have to go into the airport. I'm going to miss my flight. <laughs> you know, I, I think that that is definitely one of the keys. I want to be mindful of our time. I do have a question and I don't know whether this relates so much with empathy so much as it does with intuition. And it's actually a question I've I've been wanting to ask you for a long time. How do we differentiate intuition and fear? Like if I'm having an intuitive sense, how do I differentiate that from it's a fear I'm having? Right. That's a great question. Intuitions are usually either neutral information just coming through or they come through with compassion. And so it's it's almost like if you have a dream, sometimes you could be shown something in a dream and it's like you're watching a movie. You're not even attached. It's not a personal thing. You're just being shown something. And the same is true with intuition, where you feel, let's say, a gut feeling. No, that feels right. That feels wrong kind of thing. But when you have a lot of fear associated with a problem or you're tuning in and you get a lot of fear, I would look through your top five fears. I always advise people make a list of their top five fears. If it's lack of six, fear of success, fear of lack of success, poor health, whatever your fears are, you write them down. And if you have all this intense emotion around any of those fears, I would be very wary, but that is not accurate. Mm. You can retune in again. You could say this, you could have the inner dialogue where this is one of my fears. I'd like to tune in again to be more neutral and see what information you get then. But the top five fears you need to work on in a different context, just as part of healing your life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Dr. Orloff, you are the best. I'm so, so, so glad we got to have this conversation. Just for the purposes of us really integrating our affirmation, do you go, can you read us that affirmation we continue to get one more time? Ah, yes. All right, everyone. 
focus. Listen, don't be distracted at this point. Come with us, both of us right now, 100% present. I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. And let that sink in. Don't just go on to the next thought. I deserve to have caring relationships with people who respect my sensitivities. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I have one final question. But for the people that are watching this on YouTube or they're listening to this wherever they get their podcasts, where can we go for more information? You can get information about affirmations for empaths and the empath survival guide and my workshops on www.drjudithorloff.com, drjudithorloff, O-R-L-O-F-F.com. And there's an empath support newsletter free that you could just uh, sign up for if you want tips and tricks to helping you cope with being an empath once a month. Yes. So we will link all of those in the description below or wherever you get your podcast, just click the info button and all of those links will be there. So be sure to sign up for Dr. Orloff's free newsletter. I'm sure it's going to be packed with really good, valuable information. Thank you again for being here. The final question to you is it pertains to this community and this podcast. I started You Are Radically Loved the Radically Loved podcast because I wanted to create a space for people to go to, to get inspired, to feel supported. And the idea or the belief is that we are all radically loved and supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding that the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? By being given the opportunity to open my heart in this lifetime giving me all the time and space I need to keep learning lessons about expanding my heart and connecting with this great radical love, which is everywhere. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. We can't wait to hear what everybody thinks of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and share this with a friend if you found great value. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you again, Dr. Orloff for being here. Most welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.